Hello, friends, and welcome to Journal Sessions on the Bold Love Podcast here with Pastor Bob Roberts, Jr. We hope you are enjoying these small, short, 10 to 20 minute podcasts that feature a look inside Pastor Bob's journal, stories from his journey, and then really just talking about topics that he's been thinking about and praying about deeply and really just sharing his experience with us. I know that we've enjoyed it a lot and hopefully it's making an impact for you as well. Before we get started, I just wanted to mention, like most podcasts, we are able to make these episodes and interviews happen with the support from partnering organizations and individuals like you. We are looking for more partners to help support the podcast and producing these episodes. So if you do feel led, we would be honored if you were to contribute at support.boldlovepodcast.com. Well, it's just a one-time gift or a monthly donation. We would be extremely thankful for you supporting this podcast and episodes just like this. So thank you for that. Now on to this week's journal session. Today, Pastor Bob talks about the rise and fall of some of the pastors that have crashed and burnt out in ministry. He discusses how to prevent this, looking back at some of the stories along with how to have endurance through the storm. Take a listen. I've kept a list of pastors who've crashed and burned. Uh, Not just big names, but people I went to seminary with. Uh, People that I pastored with at the same time in the same community. And yeah, those big names that we all know. It's a big list. I've kept it for about 30 years. And what's interesting about them is how many of them were so incredibly successful. And and you look at them and you think, boy, that guy's legit. He's for real. He's got it together. And then you find out they don't. How did they hide that? What, What was that about? And I think a lot of times we could see things that were there, but we didn't see them because we were so impressed by the buzz. What impresses you? when you're starting out in life versus what impresses you as you're finishing up in life are radically different, or at least they should be. Shouldn't be the same. Howard Hendricks once made the statement, if you want to be successful in the ministry, just finish because most people will crash and burn. Robert Clinton says in the Bible, only 80% of the people finished like they started. And David would be one who who we would consider that finished well because he at least repented. Leighton Ford, who discipled me, had a goal along with the 21 or 22 uh, young leaders that he poured into. He said, my goal is that you finish with your mind, your morals, your marriage, your money, and your ministry intact. Now, the great tragedy is that People don't necessarily finish that way. And that's not true just for preachers. This is, this is true for everybody. But I think if we're going to do that, we have to really stop and ask ourselves what really matters, what really impresses us. I think when we're young, it's about speed, how quick you, how quick you can do it. I remember somebody saying, if you've not made it by the time you're 30, you're just not going to make it. And I remember being so depressed when I was 40 because I hadn't made it. And my wife was so wise. She got all these videos from young pastors that I'd help them start their church. And for my 40th birthday, that's what she played. 
because she knew how I was feeling. I'd talk to her about it. You know, I just, I did the best I could, but I was never going to be a Rick Warren or this one or that one. Speed is so important to our culture. I think as you get older, endurance is more important. Not how fast you can run, but how long can you keep running? Not, not how things are when you've got momentum going for you, but how do you endure through the storms? How do you keep pushing and not give up? I am more impressed by those who endure long distances than I am by those who sprint short distances. I think when you're young, you value volume. How much can I get? How, how, how many people can we get in our churches? You know, I mean, if it's, I know a group of pastors I once met with, if the church didn't at least have seven or 800, it was a failure. And if it was 100, that's not worth your time. That's horrible. You've just said that the majority of churches in the world, you've just said that most church planting movements in the world are insignificant because most churches are very small units. When you're young, you're impressed with volume. Look at how much money they've made. Look at how many points they scored. Look at how many people go to that place. I don't think God looks at volume as much as he does resourcefulness. How do you use what you've got? The parable of the talents all over again. It's not how many you've got, but how well do you multiply them? I think also you look at how much money and resources somebody's got early on. Boy, they're going to be successful. Look at what they've got. They'll make it. That's what I've got to do. If I just get those resources, I'll make it. I remember guys that used to come to me and say, Bob, if I can have a quarter of a million dollars, I'm going to start a church and it's going to be incredible. And do you know what I discovered? Invariably, those guys never started a church that grew. It was always the guy who had very little resources, but are you ready for this? A lot of faith. A lot of faith that God was going to give them exactly what they needed, when they needed it, not a moment before, not a moment late. But it's not a matter of how much you've got that's going to make you succeed, but how much faith you've got. I think when we're young, recognition is a big deal. I mean, are people going to view me as somebody who's a knowledgeable person, who's an expert, who's go-to. The word expert is just frankly overrated and overused. There really are very few experts. But I think instead of recognition, it's a matter of completion. Not can you start something and be known for something, but can you finish? I also think novelty when we're young, that is so unique. That is the most innovative. That is the most creative. I've got to think of the most creative thing. As you get older, you seem to value more what's true over the long haul, what's truthful, what's honest, what's real, what's authentic. You know, authentic things are not necessarily big things. A little diamond worth millions of dollars can just be a little thing with a lot of carrots to it. I think another thing when we're young that we look at, it's our own uniqueness, you know, our giftedness. But as we get older, we look at people who add more to community than themselves. Now, now, why is this that we are so young thinking about what's smart, what's quick, what's multiplying, what puts it together? I think it has to do with three things. Identity. 
when we're young, we, we look at things that validate us. So it's a matter of having these resources and this unique thing and doing this so fast. Hey, I'm okay. I'm a good person. I'm gifted. I'm smart. I deserve to be respected. It's all about identity. I mean, most pastors get caught in that identity trap. They think, well, look at how God's blessing me. And so they start cheating on their prayer and on their spiritual disciplines. You know, God is with me and I I can't do any wrong. It's about identity. I think for some, We have these ideas because we really don't have that much experience. We've learned how to work the machine, and we're really good at working that machine. I mean, we are pumping it, making it happen. But what do you do when the machine falls apart? What do you do when things beyond your control, when sickness comes into play, when a divorce happens, when a child dies, when when something that rips you to shreds? How do you then move forward? I think we see the glitz and the quick because we've just not had enough life experience. We've not been through the brokenness of life. And and, and some people go through brokenness, but they ignore it and they just keep on. I think there's a third reason we don't see things for what they really are. Uh, We don't appreciate history. History is a story. It's a process. It's time. And you've got to live long enough to know that there's a history to stuff. There are such things as shelf lives. I remember when I started our church, gosh, in in, in 1985, the big thing was contemporary music. Well, what was that? You know, and, and, and so we said, I can't even remember what it was called now. But there was a certain kind of music. Everybody was singing it. Ah, this is bad. I can't even remember what it was. But boy, you were contemporary if you sang their music. And then it got to where it was more uh, worship was was more reflective. And you would sing this kind of music and then that kind of music. And, and, and church had to be this. And every generation that came along, we redefined church. You know, I don't know that God sees all the churches that we've created on his behalf. I think he just sees his church. The same one he started about 2,000 years ago. Maybe many expressions. Do you realize the kind of arrogance that brings with it? You know, we've, we've, you know, I, I remember once being told, you baby boomers didn't start all this stuff. And I thought, yeah, but we sure did improve it. Well, I don't think we did. We're, we're getting our comeuppance from what we did. We're paying the price of things maybe we didn't think deeply enough. So, so how can you think, how can you learn to, to, to be impressed deeper about what is essence and, and, and thinking deeper about that? Think of yourself as a great biography. All right? Think of yourself as a great biography. Now, I don't mean you're somebody who's famous, because there's a lot of famous people and I wouldn't say it's a great biography. I've always respected Steve Jobs. Man, he's impacted my life. I'm grateful for him. The iPhone and the iPad, and I won't use anything but Apple. I mean, if you don't use Apple, you're just behind the curve, baby. I mean, Apple it is. But I wouldn't call Steve Jobs a great biography. Never learned how to relate to his spouse. Never learned how to relate to his kids. Outside of his work. What else was there? I loved reading Walter Isaacson's biography about him, but 
honestly, when I finished it, it's kind of sad. I felt bad for the guy, for all his success. I don't know. He was just a, a broken guy in many ways. What makes a good biography? Here it is. Number one, you've got a story more than a product. See, a lot of you think your life is about what you produce. It's not. It's your story. Production comes not from something you do, but from who you are. See, I think Steve Jobs, I think his love of art, and when you read his background, what a story he had. I, I think it would have been cool if he could have thought about more in terms of how is this creating a story of life and my life and those that I'm close to? Second of all, in that great biography, values only get stronger as a person gets older in a great biography, whether it's Gandhi or Teddy Roosevelt or George Washington, or it doesn't matter. Nelson Mandela. I mean, look at Mandela. I mean, he starts out as this courageous activist and challenges, but he's a giant of a man by the time that he dies, the values in his life. Third, a great biography is not just about how successful a person was, but how they benefited all of humanity and, and how their ideas and, 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 and how what they were was a blessing all the way through, whether it was Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence, albeit flawed, or it doesn't matter whoever they were, they, they were a benefit that changed all of our lives. Fourth, there is no such thing as a great biography without great sacrifice. There has to be this sense of I'm going to the mat and the price that's paid. I think we're looking in our culture today for quick, fast finishes. I was invited to meet with a group of 20-year-olds. Of they were all in their 20s here about two or three years ago. And these were some of the sharpest, most innovative, emerging uh, people in their 20s in the U.S. And so I began to ask them, what are your dreams and what are your visions? And, and, and do you know what every single one of them told me? Well, you know, my generation, our first thought is, is it going to make me famous? I thought they were teasing. I thought it was a joke. I was laughing. Really? And they said, no, no, Bob, it's true. The idea with social media or your break, you can be famous all of a sudden. To live wanting to be famous, what is that about? Where's the sacrifice in that? Famous for what? Sacrifice is what's going to make you more the person and redefine what you call success more than anything else, because you appreciate the value that someone had to pay to get there. The final thing about a great biography is they die the same way they lived. We all do, whether it's good or bad. I mean, people who are filled with anger and rage and bitterness, if they don't deal with that, they're some of the most bitter people to be around. You become more of what you are when you're young as you get older if you don't mature. I, I don't know about you, but I, I want to die with a smile on my face. I want to die with people laughing around me, grinning, thinking about all the fun stuff that we did together and how meaningful it was to hang out together. What impresses you when you're starting out? What impresses you today? What should impress you? What impresses you when you're starting out in life versus what impresses you when you're finishing up? 
ought to be radically different. Hey, I'm just curious. How have you changed in your perception in the last five years about what no longer impresses you that used to? Or what doesn't impress you anymore that you used to be so impressed with? Now that you've done that, look at your own life and ask yourself, God, what impresses you? Thank you so much for joining us for journal sessions with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. on the Bold Love Podcast. If you were impacted by this conversation, we would like to ask a favor. First, if you found this episode impactful, please share it on social media and recommend it to a friend. Second, like most podcasts, we are able to make these impactful conversations happen with support from partnering organizations and individuals like you. If you felt led to support these type of conversations, you can do so now and give at support.boldlovepodcast.com. Whether it's a single gift or a monthly donation, we are so thankful for you. For more information on this podcast, show notes, and any other references, you can go to boldlovepodcast.com to get all the information there. We appreciate you joining us. And remember on the Bold Love Podcast, we encourage you to live out your faith boldly, learn how to better love your neighbor, and learn how to relate to others despite your differences without compromising your faith. See you next time.